This is Fantasy Book Club. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Book Club. This is the Internet's Book Club, and just by listening, you're a member. My name is Colton Pratt. And I'm Sydney Lyerly. And we are still reading through Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. What? What? We come from you. We come, we, we come to you. From, <laughs> we come from you. We are part of you. <laughs> we come from you to the past. Um, <laughs> because like I said, like we said last week, I'm reminding, we are, we are uh, ahead reading. So today, we are going to read... Okay, I'm telling you today's schedule. We're re- recording this episode. We're going to read after this and then immediately hop back in and record next week's episode in the same sitting. Well, so if next we'll week- have a break because well, we yeah, have things we have to yes. do in between. But we will it'll like dinner be today. and eat. Yeah, it'll be but today, we will, we're recording two episodes today. So if we're dying in the episode after this, don't ask <laughs> questions. <laughs> okay. Um, and this week, what do we read, Sydney? Um, this week, we read chapters 55, 56, and 57. And next week... We're reading chapters 58, 59, and 60. So those are the readings, basically, three and three. Make yeah. sure you've read 55 through 57 before you continue on with your episode. Yep. Um. All right. I think, is there anything else we need to do before we can get into it? Nope. All right. Uh, Sydney, you have 55, so you can go ahead. I do. So chapter 55, which is titled An Emerald Brome, and the little death rattle at the, the beginning says, A woman sits and scratches out her own eyes, daughter of kings and wins the vandal. Dated Paula Haven, 1173, 73 seconds per pre-death. Per Sub- death. Per death. Subject, a beggar of some renown known for his elegant songs. Oh, A woman sits and scratches out her own eyes. Yeah. Lovely. Beautiful. What does it sound like? The things that are being described in these images, what does it sound like? <laughs> Very brutal things. Yeah, they are all basically They're all brutal. Really terrible. Yeah. Um. All right, so let's get started. So this uh, chapter is a Kaladin chapter, Woo. and it's one week after they lost Dunny. Here's um, Ben. Yes. Again. <laughs> one week since Dunny died. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you had. <laughs> no, I'm sitting here trying to desperately think of another, another parody I can do. <laughs> okay, anyways. Um, so they're at another battle and again, they've kind of gotten, they've gotten everyone out. No one's been like hurt this time. Um, they're watching, Kaladin is watching the, the battle and it looks like Sadius's men are getting surrounded, Yeah, which is not good. Well, for them, it's probably pretty chill. Well, like for the Bridgman. Yeah, the Bridgman do not care. But yes. um, for Sadius's men, well, they do kind of because the soldiers are going to be in a really bad mood if they lose. Oh, yeah. That's so it great. does kind of affect them. Yeah. But um, Cowden's watching this. And as he's watching this, Rock uh, turns around and or Rock comes up to him and is like, hey, there's more people coming. Do you see this? Yeah. And Cowden's like, wait a minute. That's not like he, they thought at first that it was more of Sadius's soldiers is coming later. Yeah. But they realized, no, wait a minute. That's Dalinar's like flag and yeah. his symbol. That's his army that's coming, and so they think at first that they're going that Dalinar's is trying to come and take over and like, or is is going to get there and then turn around and leave because they realize that hey, they're they're already them. here. Yeah. But instead, they start they start fighting with. But we know this, right? Mm-hmm. And they start fighting with um as a team. As a team, yes, they start fighting as a team. And the bridgemen are kind of like, oh, well, that's abnormal. Mm-hmm. Um, but while they're watching this, they're talking about um, kind of like their past. Kaladin mentions uh, that 
he he knew Bright Lord Amaram. Yeah. And Scar is like the shard bearer. Yeah. And Alan <laughs> says, wait a minute, you know this? Yeah. And Scar says, sure. He's supposed to be on his way here. Everyone's talking about it in the taverns. Were you with him when he won his shards? And Calden's like, no, <laughs> nobody was. No one was with him. No one saw it. Because he didn't win them. Can you imagine their reactions if Calden were to tell them that he won the shards and then gave them up? Well, I think it's a Kaladin's uh, like, they won't believe me. They think I'm a great guy, but I don't know if they think I can kill a shard bearer and take his shards, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyways, they're just briefly talking about this, um, and they're they're watching the battle. They're watching Dalinar join, and he's very unsure. Like they're unsure of like why this is happening. They're confused. Um, everyone, all the bridgemen talk about how great Dalinar is, and Cowden's like, no, that's not possible. He doesn't. Ble- he refuses to believe that because he knew Amaram, and Amaram had this great um, reputation. Reputation, yes. And you're so, welcome. Thank you. And Dalinar has <laughs> Dalinar has this great reputation too, but Kaladin obviously doesn't want to believe that, which is yeah. is fair. I do not blame Kaladin for not believing it. Yeah, but he's wrong. So far from what oh. we've seen, he actually Dalinar actually seems for like a sure. good guy. Well, and Kaladin also thinks about the fact that he watched Adolin uh, be nice to the the whore. Yeah, I couldn't think of another word. So uh, yeah, that that's was what the she word is. That came that's, to my mind. That, the prostitute. Let's call yeah. her that. Yeah, um, there we go. But she, and, and it seemed like there was there was no ulterior motive other than to be kind. Yes. Which is what really confused him. Because he's seen people save other people before. But yeah. like just being nice for the sake of it is not a light eye thing in his brain. Yes. Uh, so basically the this section here ends with the, the battle ends. It gets, it gets really bloody. It does end though. And they, they win. The Lethe win. And so the, uh, Kaladin is leading back a victorious group of soldiers on the way back. Whoop, whoop. And... Now we've moved forward a little bit. They're on chasm scavenging duty because Hashal, who's a jerk, decided she thought it would be fun to send them out after right after a bridge run, which is rude. Rude. But uh, <laughs> Kaladin is holding a, a sphere between his hands because, or between his fingers, because they found this bag and like off. They found a light eyes, a light eyes uh, soldier, mm-hmm. and they raided him, raided his body, and found all of these really, really, really good spheres. So they have all of this money that they found, but of course they can't keep it. And so they're trying to decide what they want to do because they really do want to keep it. Um, and Kaladin's like, this would help us so much, help the wounded we're trying to yeah. save, help us like feed them and keep them alive. And it would be very helpful, but they 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 get searched when they come out. So yeah. they, they can't Intrusively searched. It. Yes. Also, one emerald sphere, which is what they found, yeah, is worth uh, it is worth two hundred days of Bridgman pay. Yeah, so essentially, this is like several months of work, and then also in the bag, there was a variety of smaller stones that were also worth about the same as one bro. Yeah, so he had about like over a year's worth of Bridgman pay just on him. Yeah, uh, so that's what they want to keep it, but of they course. can't. They can't figure out how to. They think about. Moash suggests swallowing it, and Calden's like, "No, Calden's that's not going to work." Uh, Rock says, "You a joke? Spheres are too big, eh?" Well, yes, but they also talk about the fact that uh, if they swallowed it, they check their droppings when they go to the bathroom. Of course, they which do. Is so wild. anything, anything you uh, wait, anything bad that happens, they do worse. Imagine searching through poop. Like imagine that's your job. You're the you're the poop searcher. <laughs> That'd be so bad. Uh, uh, uh. Yuck. Anyways, 
while they're they're doing this, Kaladin's trying to come up with an idea of how to keep the spheres, because or at least some of them. They can't keep the emerald one because they know that that would be too suspicious. I think I got it now. Any bad you can do, Sadius does matter. That that was what I was looking for earlier. <laughs> I found it now. I was sitting here thinking about other ways to sing it to make it work. <laughs> but job. I got there. I got Good there. Good job. Yeah. Uh, but Kaladin's trying to come up with an idea. And while they're 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 continuing to scavenge, Maps asks, who's one of the bridgemen? He asks uh, Sigzil about being a world singer. And Maps is like, can you tell us something? And yeah. Sigzil's like, I'm not a storyteller. And Maps is like, okay. Well, just start spreading information then about these places you've been. Yeah. And so they convince <laughs> they convince uh, Sigzil to tell this story. And Kaladin asks him to tell a story. He says, is there a place where people live in, in gouges in the ground? A city built in an enormous complex of lines all set into the rock as if carved there. And Sigzil's like, yes, it's called Sesamalex Dar. You nailed that. Thank you. I did not expect you to nail that in one. <laughs> I, I Sesamalex. Normally, when you try, you take four or five shots. So that one, you're just like, Sesamalex Dar. Yeah, man. <laughs> Thank you. I'm pretty proud of that one. Yeah. But basically, it's the uh, capital of the kingdom of Emu. Yeah. Which uh, is, I don't know where that is, but. It's somewhere. Somewhere. It is, it is named by. Uh, Jezrian, who is the Stormfather, is what they call him in Alethkar. Yeah. Basically, God. Yes. He's the king of the heralds. In other places, they just think of him as just God. But here, they think of him as like the leader of all of the gods. Like Yes. So, God. Yeah. So, Sigzil starts telling this story about this city, about how it's built in like these gouges in the ground, and the way it's designed is it doesn't flood. Like He's been there. He's seen it, so he, yeah. he knows this is true. And he talks about the people, how very kind they are, and Legally, like if you're not of their um, ethnicity, you can't own like property there. Yeah. But they do treat travelers with like this really high like kindness and like respect. Like they they care and they they're very kind and, and right. polite. So right. they sound like very, very good people. Yeah. Uh, but he's just telling this story about it. And, you know, it's interesting because Calden's like, OK, well, now I know that that thing that happened to me mm-hmm. when he was in the high storm was real because yeah. he saw this place he didn't know about it before and he didn't know about it so now he knows that hey this was a real thing that happened to me like a real mm-hmm. vision hey yes did that tell you about anybody else's visions dalinar's ooh. <laughs> 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 i love that we made the ooh sound at the same time one person's visions are real confirmed other persons who knows probably i would be shocked if they weren't yeah that would be silly i think to just be like Dalinar's crazy. End of story. <laughs> what, a, what a twist that'd be if this book just ended with Dal and and reveal Dalinar's mad. Okay, that'd They're, be so bad. That'd be funny. Uh, but while uh, Sigzil is telling the story, Kaladin is again thinking about how to uh, get the the spheres out because they really, really need them. It would be very helpful. And it there's it's just it's an interesting story Sigzil tells. Yeah. Uh, moving on a little bit ahead. Kalanen suddenly asks, well, Sigzil does say real quick that he says that um, his, his, what's the word? His country, his, his people, mm-hmm. they didn't, they don't like to use like spears. Right. They like to use like bows. Like bows is like being, having the ability to use a bow mm-hmm. is like really like important there in there right. in his, his people. And Kalanen's like, wait a minute, you know how to use a bow? And Kalanen's, or Sigzil's like, well, uh, not really. Like I've never really had the chance to use one. Right. But Kaladin Cal- gets this idea in his head of okay, well maybe we could use a bow to somehow get the spears or the spheres out. 
So that that's his goal, but they haven't they haven't found a bow. They don't he doesn't he doesn't know how to use a bow. Yeah. No one else seems to know how to use a bow. Um, but Syl does eventually actually find a bow, and so um she tells she tells Kaladin and she leads uh, the bridgeman to a bow off of one of the Parshendi. And while they're trying to get this bow and like start start to like savage the Parshendi bodies, Shen, who if you remember Shen is the uh Parshman who has joined them, gets yep. like really angry. And defensive and tries to like go and stop Kaladin from touching the body. And Taft has to like pull him back and hold him down. And Kaladin's like, okay, let him go. I want to see what's happening. Yeah. And Shen goes over and like flips the body back over and like is very careful with the dead Parshendi. And Kaladin's like, okay, clearly the Parshendi and the Parshman really have this respect for their own dead. Yep. So. That's, I think, an interesting little thing. And Kaladin kind of thinks about how he's going to use that, which is kind of terrible. A little bit, a little bit gross. Like, not... A little bit gross. Not great. Like... Not the best. Don't, don't use this man. I feel bad for Shen. Shen I really yeah. do. Like, Shen doesn't, hasn't done anything bad, and I feel bad for him. Yeah. I feel bad for a lot of the, the like, to-be-used parchment are not great. Yeah. Yeah. But they do find a bow. Um, and they find a bowstring, but they're not attached, so they have to figure out how to how to get the bowstring onto the bow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do have this weapon now, so or, and have this bow. So Kaladin's idea is kind of moving forward. As they start to head back, they get underneath to the point to one of the like the permanent bridges, and yeah. Kaladin's like, "Okay, here's what I want to do. I want to attach the bag of spe- spheres." Sorry. Yeah. to the bow, to an arrow, and shoot it up and have it stick in the bottom of the the bridge. Yeah. And then when we go on a bridge run next, Lopin and David, who stay behind, yeah. can get the, the spheres from underneath the bridge, and then we'll have them. And we'll do like a couple at a time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so every time we're down here, we'll shoot more up. Yeah. But of course, this is not going to be an easy thing because they risk losing the spheres altogether. So that's part of the reason they also want to do a few at a time. No one seems to know how they're going to do this because no one knows how to shoot a bow. Yeah. And uh, so they, they haven't well, really. As far as no one we know knows how to shoot a bow. Yes. They don't at this point know what they're going to do. Um, they talk about trying to do rope or something. And, and Lopin's like, I could get rope from like a cousin. He could give me rope. And Calvin's like, okay. Never yeah, let me down before. We can't, we can't leave it dangling there because that would be too obvious. And they would see that. Yeah. Um. So like I said, again. Their attempt is to try and try and shoot the bow up there, the arrow up on the bridge. And Rock, they're trying to decide what to do. Taft is gonna gonna go for it. That's what's gonna happen. And then Rock decides, okay, guys, just give it to me. Yeah. Because Rock knows how to shoot a bow. Yeah. And so Rock ties. Um, he uses like a practice practice one, gets it up there, good, and then ties the bag of spears to the end of the arrow yep shoots it up and it sticks yep he and nails rock it. has done it nailed it go rock but it's a secret yes and cowden's like how in the world did you know how to do that and rock's like i'm not telling you also really quickly scar brings up a good point yes i also want to add real quick that rock still is refusing to fight like he's yeah. not going to use yeah. his abilities with the bow to fight absolutely not but it is cool that he knows how to do that so go rock and yes so scar brings up a point and he says he says, I figure once someone is trying to get you killed, all expectations of your loyalty are tossed to the storm. But if someone were to go to Gaz, and basically he's thinking that there's a possibility that someone in the bridge four might sneak off and tell Gaz about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And 
Drehi gives the idea of maybe we should put a watch. And Kaladin ends up being like, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to, like, hide from each other. We're, we are bridge four. We're going to trust each other. We're going to work together. And we're going to believe that none of us are going would go to Gaz with something like that. Yeah. And so I, I, I respect that. But Syl, at this point, does sit on Kaladin's shoulder and asks if she if he wants her to watch the others. Yep. And Kaladin's like, yeah. Probably, yeah, probably, probably watch good, them. Yeah, probably a good call. idea. I don't particularly see anyone in Bridge Four necessarily doing anything, but um, it's it's interesting. So to be okay, I don't see anyone in Bridge Four doing that either. But to be honest, I didn't really. You don't know everyone in Bridge Four that well. Yes, because while you were going, I was just writing down names for rank the characters later on. I was writing down every name that we saw and spoke. Yeah. Can I just tell you the number of people we saw and spoke this just in Bridge Four? Yeah. Kaladin, Rock, Scar, Teft, Moash, Sigzel, Hashal. That's not there's four. Maps, Drehi, Shen, Malop, Sil, Lopin, Layton, and Earless Jax. Do you know anything about Malop? Nope. So we've seen there's some people in Bridge Four that we some do not know. Some of those names know. I'd never even heard. Malop is Malop is in there. Earless Jax is like the second to last person to talk in this chapter. Like there's a few. You, you de- they're Did all in there. Really? Yeah, they all talk. I don't even see him. Uh, how many cousins do you have anyway? Earless Jax asked. Oh, I see that. Yep. Yeah. So there's a lot of names that we just yeah. that we don't really remember. No, that's fair. Um, but but it would be crazy if he was like, "Oh man, freaking Malop stole the spheres!" Like that would be it would be crazy would be as so an author bad. to have an un an unknown character randomly <laughs> turn evil. That yeah. would be that would not be great. I guess it could be one of the known characters, but that would but be we, depressing. We know them. None of them are going to do that. I hope not. we got we know Rock, we know Tap, we know Cal. Yeah. I mean, we know Cal can't. Well, yeah, no, Cal wouldn't obviously. I don't, yeah. Anyways. Maybe Syl does it. Bom, bom, bom. <laughs> okay. What does Syl need spheres for? Oh, she just wants Kaladin to die. I don't think I so. I think that, that sounds I right to me. I do not think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyways. The end of this chapter just ends with them talking about the fact that Rock's not going to tell how he learned how to use a bow. Yep. And Lopin's going to uh, get rope. For and, some reason. We're not we're not sure yet. Yeah, but that that's the end of the chapter. Yay! Yay! Alrighty. Well, we see them again, so no need for theory, so let's move right on to my chapter. Okie dokie, artichokey. Artichokey. Uh this is chapter fifty six. It's titled That Storming Book. <laughs> and the Which death is funny. The death rattle says, Light grows so distance. So distance. Light grows <laughs> so distant. The storm never stops. I am broken. And and all around me oh wait. And all around me have died. Oh, all around me have died. Not all around me something has died. It's <laughs> all who have been around me are died. <laughs> good uh, job. Good, good, good English. Thank all, you for giving us an English lesson. All around me have died is a weird thing to say when I was thinking all around me. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I weep for the end of all things. He has won. Oh, he has beaten us. Dated Pakalev, 1173. 16 seconds pre-doubt. Subject, a Thalen sailor. A thaler, if you will. A thaler. A thaler. A thaler. Hi, I'm a thaler. <laughs> um, so uh, I about started talking as if this was my chapter right at the moment. Of, okay, here it so goes. Here's what happens, and then I was like, "Wait a minute, this is not me. This is Colton. This is a Dalinar chapter. Yep. It opens with Dalinar fighting. He's fighting on a plateau uh, against a bunch. He's got of, the thrill. Woo! He got the thrill. Hey, he got the thrill. Woo! He's killing people left and right with his sharp blade. He's riding on the back of Gallant. Dude's just a beast murdering. Dalinar's an absolute beast murderer serial killer in this chapter. Well, Dalinar's an absolute beast. He's the Blackthorn. This is, his, <laughs> this is what he's known for, is being good at killing people. But it's <laughs> he kills so 
so many people. Yeah. I would love an actual count of how many people Dalinar's killed in his lifetime. Do we count? We, so far, Shen, are you counting our people already? Yes. Good, good. <laughs> well, some people see them as like a different species, so you wouldn't count them necessarily as people, but they're people. They're kind of people. <laughs> you know what I mean. If we ran into now humans, ran into on Earth somewhere, a species that is not human, but has the same level of intelligence and communication skills as us, what do you think? What would we do with that? So like aliens? No, but like they live, they've been living here. Like the, the Earth is as much there as That would be ours. so bizarre. Right. Like, I, that'd be crazy because how can they live here this long and we've never found them before? But I guess that's what happened here. In, in the book, that's, that's the yeah. story. But, like, if they did that, hmm, would we just, like, would we be nice, do you think? Or do you think we'd just, like, immediately, like, ex- extinct them? I'd like to tell myself that we would be nice. I hope we would be nice. I also hope we would be nice. Like, but- I hope, I feel like if we found someone who, on Earth, that could communicate with us and, like, has the same kind of, like, thoughts and, like, things like that and... I think it would be so beneficial to be able to like work together. Like Absolutely. that would be so good, I think. Here's a question for you, Sydney. Okay. Do you think so there's always the risk that humans decide they're a threat, we need to kill them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's more likely we attack if they are ahead of us in technology or behind us in technology? Hmm. Because if they're ahead of us, some humans will be like, We have so much to learn from them, let's go. Others will be like, Well, they know things we don't, they're a threat. To be honest, I think ahead. You think it's more likely we attack? Yes. Mm. Because I think if they're behind us, we'll be like, okay, well, they, we have better like weapons, better yeah. technology. We could attack them if they were to attack us. Yeah. Whereas if they're ahead of us, I think the thought process would be they could be dangerous because they're- They know about the super nuke. They know about things that we don't. Like so, the super nuke. Yes. Yes, exactly. Like- I, I I think it would be ahead. Okay, that's fair. I was thinking about that because I do think there'd be a lot of scientists if they were ahead, they'd be like, don't attack them. We have so much to learn oh, from them. I definitely think there'd be people who say that, but I 100% like. think there'd be people who'd be like, no, these people are like dangerous because... Let's blow their island off the place of the earth. <laughs> anyway, oh, okay. it's an interesting conversation. It is interesting. Anyway, Dalinar is killing all the... You know how the Parshendi fight in pairs? Dalinar's yes. killing pairs and the pairs are generally one bearded, one not bearded. And for some reason, he is somehow the first person to piece together. Maybe this is like a woman, the not bearded ones. Maybe I'm fighting against a man and a woman, a, yeah. a, a like a couple, essentially. It's because he looks at one of the non bearded ones and is like, you have a very feminine face. You got high cheekbones there. <laughs> Which is funny to uh, me. It is a little bit funny. And he's like, no way no one else has thought about this. Because they've always assumed it was like a... a uh, apprentice leader yeah. kind of thing but like he uh, observed them and yes. the face structure is different and there's like no stubble at all yeah. and like it's very and he, apparently he's he's somehow the discoverer the man who's known for killing is the first person to think outside the box that's so sad that's so sad i it's so it's so sad to me that they don't know anything about the people they're killing they're yeah. just killing them which yeah. is horrible and Cal- uh, and not Calvin. And Dalinar kills one, and he goes back to his honor guard, and uh, he feels the thrill like retreat a little bit as he walks to his honor guard, and he gives Gallant uh, away to some some holders because he's like they're getting in too close. I don't want to risk Gallant. Good horse owner. Yeah, good horse owner indeed. Um, and so uh, Dalinar goes back out, expects once again, expects the body, sees no stubble, and it's like, hmm, these might just be these are uh, these might just be women and then he thinks to himself you're supposed to be killing them not analyzing their culture which is kind of sad yeah he is going to send uh 
some or have some soldiers bring some bodies back, though. Which is going to be pretty tough for the other Parshani to see. We've established a second ago they don't like when their bodies are moved. So e. trying to collect some bodies and move it. I wonder how like a horde of Parsh- Parshmen would react to seeing them carrying back bodies of their of the people. Like because clearly Parshmen don't like when you touch the bodies. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Um. And so basically, they are doing like a sandwich maneuver where Dalinar's army pushed in from the back and uh, uh, Sadie's army is on the other side fighting towards the middle, like trying to squish the two armies together. Um, and so they are fighting, just fighting, a lot of fighting. Yeah, and eventually, fighting. eventually after fighting, they find that, uh, well, Dalinar loses the, the uh, thrill again mid-fight and gets some nausea and, Gee. man, not again. Then it comes back and he gets back into it. And then across the battlefield, a while, after a while of just kind of killing things, across the battlefield, he sees uh, that Sadius' army is about to be overrun and Sadius himself has been like separated off and is kind of alone. And um, part of the issue with that is a different army approached. Yeah. Because we started bringing two, so you start bringing two, so we'll bring two. And so a separate army is also approaching and it's like pincering Sadius's army. Yeah. Because this is like not the first time they've done this. Yeah, this is this is several times after yeah. they've done it. Um and he is he's very upset because he's like, if we had known anything about their culture, anything about them, we could have predicted this. We don't know anything about them because we've ne- never bothered to ask questions. Yeah. So we don't know how to predict what they're going to do. Which is so dumb. Like I feel like if you're trying to win a war, wouldn't that be the best way to go about it? Is to like, you know. Find out about the people you're fighting and then find their weaknesses. Yeah. Based on what you know about them. Like, that seems like common sense to me. Yes. So Dalinar hops up on a rock and then d- goes into, instead of murder, mass murder mode, he goes into I'm a general mode and starts like instructing people how to react to this. And then he he sees um, Sadius now getting overrun about to like himself. Yes. Being taken down. So Gal- uh, Dalinar calls to Gallant, hops on the back of this giant horse, and then rides directly through the middle of the other, the like, uh, army to get to Sadius's uh, team. Yes. I would just like to say this image in my head is amazing. Like the image of, of Dalinar on the top of this giant horse swinging his sword and just like murdering people left and right. Yes. And flying through the middle of the yes. enemy's army. Like uh-huh. that's, yeah. Crazy. Um, and he uh, finally lands. In the, he says, it says after a few minutes, which is a long time to be riding a horse. Like through the middle of a bunch of enemies. Yeah. Gallant takes a stab to the side. Not great. After a few minutes, um, Dalinar manages to get over to where Sadius was about to get overrun. Hops off his horse. Freaking grabs a uh, warhammer instead of his sword. Because he didn't. He wanted to clear them out around Sadius. He didn't want to. If he killed them, the bodies are still there clogging movement. Yeah. So he grabs a warhammer and starts just setting these suckers like hundreds of feet. Just with giant swings. Flying. Yeah. Um, and he is slaughtering and slaughtering and killing and slaughtering. Do you think the Warhammer is like kind of Thor's hammer ish? No, no, no. It's like a, it's only, like a two-handed massive hammer. I know, but I'm I, my idea is like only Thor can pick up his hammer. Oh, and right. Only um, people with shard plate on can pick up a Warhammer. But it's not about use it. It's not about worthiness. I know. It's, it's just, just interesting. It's so heavy that no one else can normally carry. This is what made me think of. Oh, okay. That's all. Like two attendants together could carry one Warhammer. Yeah, but you not know what two I mean. regular people couldn't carry Thor's hammer. <laughs> Yes, I just that's what my the connection my brain made. <laughs> okay, so by the way, speaking of Thor's hammer, elevator can go up with Thor's hammer in it. That's been established, correct? Colton, I think about do pause. not know anything about pause. Marvel. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll fill you in a tiny bit. In the first movie, 
Thor's hammer, only the word they can lift is. They drop yes. it on the planet. Boom, it explodes. It's landed there. Scientists set up around it trying to figure out how to move this hammer. Cool. Yeah. Then later, they talk about how robots can't be worthy because a robot picks up the hammer. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, it's just a robot. It's just a machine. It's like how a uh, elevator could lift the hammer if the hammer was sitting in it. Yeah. Because it's magic, not heavy. So when the humans are trying to excavate the Thor's hammer, could they not have just brought an excavator in and grabbed it and lifted it because it's a because <laughs> it's a robot yeah I Sid doesn't know anything about Marvel I don't know much listeners if you know the answer to why they didn't just use an excavator to move Thor's <laughs> hammer let me know in the comments of the post for this episode please thank you I won't be able to respond to you but we'll respond eventually yeah in like six months we'll come back and say thank you for answering my question <laughs> no we'll respond on Instagram oh right we'll respond we on have that ability you know yes absolutely <laughs> anyway um, back to the ep- back to the episode where we're reading a book <laughs> Uh, he that sentence made no sense. He gets back into it. He's killing. Uh, there's thrill. Anyway, he's actually because he's overrun and almost losing. The thrill's getting him better because it, it's like it's me or them now. Yeah, it's no longer just killing unfairly. They can kill me now. I'm at risk. And yeah, so, Dalinar gets like screwed. Like his plate's like breaking. Yeah. Uh, he his back his back of his plate gets hit with a giant war club and he it shatters. Feel it. it can feel like the hole becoming yeah. like because he can feel the wind on it, which is also wild. the side of his the side of his helmet gets hit and yeah. like it cracks too. And eventually he's about to get overrun and Adolin hops in like the savior and is like, "What are you thinking, Dad?" And um, they start to fight together and eventually, essentially, they fight and they beat the Parshendi and they run off and. Yep. Sadius is alive, though his armor is basically useless, like broken. Yeah, it's destroyed. They're going to have to fix it. I would like to do a little dramatic reading of the end of this chapter. Okay. Here it goes. Sadius, however, smiled a wide grin. Stormfather, but that was close. How's the battle? The Parshendi are routed, Adolin said. The last force resisting was the one around you. Our men are cutting the gem heart free at this moment. The day is ours. We win again, Sadius said triumphantly. Dalinar. Once in a while, it appears that senile old brain of yours can come up with a good idea or two. We're the same age, Sadius. Dalinar noted as messengers approached, bearing reports from the rest of the battlefield. Spread the word, Sadius proclaimed. Tonight, all my soldiers will feast as if they were light eyes. He smiled as his soldiers helped him to his feet, and Adolin moved over to take the scout's report. Sadius waved away the help, insisting he could stand despite his wounds, and began calling for his officers. Dalinar turned to seek out Gallant and make sure the horse's wound was cared for. As he did, however, Sadius caught his arm. I should be dead, Sadius said softly. Perhaps. I didn't see much, but I thought I saw you alone. Where was your honor guard? I had to leave it behind, Dalinar said. It was the only way to get to you in time. Sadius frowned. That was a terrible risk, Dalinar. Why? You do not abandon your allies on the battlefield. Not unless there's no recourse. It is one of the codes. Sadius shook his head. That honor of yours is going to get you killed, Dalinar. He seemed amused. Not that I feel like offering a complaint about it this day. If I should die, Dalinar said, then I would do so having lived my life right. It is not the destination that matters, but how one arrives there. The codes? No, the way of kings. That storming book. That storming book saved your life today, Sadius, Dalinar said. I think I'm starting to understand what Gavilar saw in it. Sadius scowled at that, though... He glanced at his armor, lying in pieces nearby. He shook his head. Perhaps I should let you tell me what you mean. I'd like to understand you again, old friend. I'm beginning to wonder if I really ever did. He let go of Dalinar's arm. Someone bring me my storming horse. Where are my officers? 
down on our left and quickly found several members of his guards seeing the gallant. As he joined them, he was struck by the sheer number of corpses on the ground. They ran in a line where he had punched through the Parshendi ranks to get to Sadius, a trail of death. He looked back to where he'd made his stand, dozens dead, perhaps hundreds. Blood of my fathers, Dalinar thought. Did I do that? He hadn't killed in such numbers since the early days of helping Gavilar unite Alethkar, and he hadn't grown sick at the sight of death since his youth. Yet now he found himself revolted, barely able to keep his stomach under control. He would not wretch on the battlefield, his men should not see that. He stumbled away, one hand to his head, the other carrying his helm. He should be exulting, but he couldn't. He just couldn't. You will need luck trying to understand me, Sadius, he thought, because I'm having Damnation's own trouble trying to do so myself. So their friendship might be coming back. I know! That's cute. It is cute. And I want to hate Sadius. I really do. Yeah. But I'm low-key struggling right now. I mean, he's still the bridge runners. Still does that. Yeah, but... He's actually being nice. To Dalinar. Okay, but still, that's improvement. We're seeing character improvement. That's, that is improvement. That's growth. I would agree that is growth. I, I appreciate the growth in, yeah. in, in him. So I'm just having a hard time hating him, <laughs> to yeah. be completely honest. That's, you know, I guess that's fair. Yeah. I still am not a fan, but it is fair. Yeah. I'm not st- I'm not a fan either, but, you know, he is. he's being nice. He seems very thankful that... Dalinar saved his life. Yeah, like actually thankful. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, now we move on. We Unless you have anything you want me to Do you want theories? Me. Yeah, sorry, I forgot. You, you know, do you have any theories about the book, about this chapter? Um, What's the next stage for these two? Well, I think they start talking about their differences. I think I think that Sadius is, or Dalinar is going to have Sadius read The Way of Kings. Okay. If possible. I think that would be cool. Um. And I just think they're going to somehow work out their differences. They're going to start working together. So, you know, the visions, Dalinar's visions had said that they, that Sadius needed to be on their side, that he needed to trust Sadius. And yeah. so I think that they're going to start working together and eventually Sadius, he's going to tell Sadius about the visions. Because the visions, the visions did say to trust Sadius. Yes. Okay. And I think they're going to start working together on the visions. Okay. Yeah. Once Fair they enough. find out the visions are real. Okay. Yep. Okay. Okay. Sure, man. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm just joking. Uh, so now, moving on, we have a little drawing on Aww, the next page. Some, there's some fruits and stuff. Yeah. Scale spray. It looks like uh, Shalon's drawings. It do look like Shalon drawings. I miss Shalon. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you said it so wistfully. I felt like it was very real. It did not sound like it a joke. I, I miss Shalon. It kind of was. Yeah, real. man. I, she's, it is kind of sad she's uh, gone. Poor Shalon. Poor Shalon. Okay. Anyways. Chapter 57, which is called Wandercell. We'll read the little death rattle at the beginning. It says, I hold the suckling child in my hands, a knife at his throat, and know that all who live wish me to let the blade slip. Spill its blood upon the ground over my hands, and with it gain us further breath to draw. Dated Shoshanan, 1173, 23 seconds pre-death. Subject, a dark-eyed youth of 16 years. Sample is a particular note. Hmm. And then we immediately get another death rattle. Hmm. Read that one. Which says, And all the world was shattered. The rocks tremble with their steps and the stones reach towards the heavens. We die. We die. Dated 1173. Subject was a bridge band of some renown. <laughs> maps. It's been one week since Dunny died. Now there's maps on the ground and he's bleeding now. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've had that prepared. Uh, <laughs> of course you did. I've had that prepared since I started the It's Been joke. <laughs> and I was like, wait, Maps hasn't died yet. And so I had to wait until Maps died so I could do the next line. Good job, Colin. Thank you. <laughs> it was worth it. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, anyways. So Ma- <laughs> Maps has just died. He does a little death rattle. Kaladin's all depressed and sad again. Depressy for sure, yeah. Uh, not great. And um, Scar looks at Kaladin and is like, what did he just say? What? Yeah. And a dude named Yake, who we've never heard from, calls it dying delirium. Yeah. So our death rattles are just dying delirium. That's what we think. That's what we're told. Do you do you believe this to be true? I do not. I didn't think you would. <laughs> I know you're smarter than that, Sydney. You're smarter than that. <laughs> Thanks. You're I'm smarter that. than Yake. You're smarter than Yake. <laughs> Uh, anyways, so Cowden said, not great. Um, apparently, the little death rattles happen more often now than they used to, which is interesting to me, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. I um, agree. Do you want to forget yeses why? Because things are happening that are of importance. You know, you could answer that with, you could answer any theory with that answer, and you'd always be technically right, which is not fair <laughs> for theorizing purposes. <laughs> okay continue no. okay but seriously um i think it's because um i think it's because the Stormfather has ha- has his hand on things and is like mm. doing things okay. and so i think someone i kind of think that someone is trying to talk through the people who are dying okay if that makes sense okay but no one's really listening. Because, you just keep you yeah. keep that in mind to try and figure out who it is. If you have any guesses, let me know ever. Maybe it's Hoyd. Uh, it would probably be Hoyd. <laughs> if it was any character in the book, I think it would be Hoyd. <laughs> Hoyd is holding a knife to the throat of somebody <laughs> and everyone wants Hoyd to murder that fool. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. Hoyd is also, he is the kind of powerful that would be doing this, I uh, think. I know. I he love seems Hoyd. that way. I love Hoyd, too. This chapter, by the way, made Hoyd maybe my favorite character of the book so far. Really? Yeah. This. <laughs> we yeah. haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, sorry. I'm okay. so excited for Hoyd. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Kaladin is thinking about how he should have been faster. He should have saved. And then he thinks about all the people who have died under his watch. Because, of course, he is. That's all Kaladin yeah. can do is think about all the people who have died. But then Kaladin uh, hisses to or it's Kaladin. Sil hisses to Kaladin and says, be strong. Yeah. Woo, Sil. Woo, Sil. Love Sil. <laughs> Sorry, you started a beatbox. <laughs> Continue. You beatbox at least once an episode, I, I think. That's the goal. That's the goal. To beatbox at least. You either beatbox or you sing or you do both. <laughs> yeah, you've got to grow your audience somehow, Sydney. I'm, I'm, I'm just starting my music career very slowly. This is called soft <laughs> Through launching. podcasting? Yeah. This is called soft launching your musical career. <laughs> Maybe not the way to go. Yeah. Don't soft launch. Just full on send it. Okay. Hard launch. Hard launch. Yeah. I don't understand how people, why people soft launch their relationships. That throws me off. What does that mean? So basically, I... I end up on this side of TikTok a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> but through what I've seen on TikTok, soft launching, if you're in a relationship and you soft launch it, it's like you take photos of like like your food and you can see there's someone in the background, but you can't see them. Hmm. Like you're on a date or you like take a photo of like their hand or you take a photo of you can't see their face. It's like girls being mysterious about who their man is, hmm. which is so 
funny to me and also so extra. Yeah, that's a lot of work. Like, that's so much work making sure that you can't see their face. Like, just if you want to post a photo of them in it, then just go for it. And you know on the guy's Instagram, it's just a photo of her face. Like, I'm dating her now. Like, it's (laughs) no way is there any man who's taking... uh, This is a little sexist. But no way (laughs) is there any man who's taking the effort to do... I would never. That's too much. (laughs) Who... Hmm. This is... hmm. This might be a little bit too real. No one cares about you, Linda. Like, no one cares who you're dating. That's what I want to say to people on social media all the time. No one cares. That's funny. No one's going to look at these photos that you posted. They might say, oh, they're pretty. No one's going to look and be like, there's a man's hand there. (gasps) They're just going to be like. I know. I wonder how much people actually like. I mean, your friends maybe pay attention to that. But how much do girls think people actually pay attention when they soft launch You're a their girl. boyfriends? You're a girl. You tell me. I don't but know. I've never soft launched a guy before. I don't know. The real answer is delusional believe everyone cares. Regular understands that no one cares. <laughs> okay. Anyways. You agree or disagree? No, I don't. It's just it's funny to me. And I just thought that was funny. That was a good conversation. I those, appreciate you bringing it up. Those videos always make me laugh. And I always watch them every time because I'm like... <laughs> Uh, Who has this much care and attention into doing this? I've seen people, I've actually seen, it's been like a year, but I've seen people making jokes about that where I saw a TikTok that was like, how to soft launch your boyfriend. And it was like a full photo of a dude's belly. It's like a full <laughs> photo of his belly. Like that kind of a thing. That makes That's me laugh. Funny. That's pretty funny. Okay. Anyways, moving on. Um, Kaladin is Kaladin struggling, still trying to make him feel better. Um, Kaladin uh, does eventually kind of get out of it a little bit and goes back into standing in bread rest. The others follow him, which is really cool that they all do that because Callum has never asked them to do that. Yeah. But they do, which is really, really cool. Um, uh, Lopin comes up to him with the pouch of spheres mm-hmm. that he managed to grab from underneath the bridge. And they've done this a couple times. It's now. been successful every time. Yeah, which is really, really awesome that they've done that. Um, they do now have rope, which they... Which Lopin let drop over the side. Yeah. So Kaladin asks, there. "Did you have any trouble?" And Lopin says, "Nah, Gancho, easiest trip in a harmony, easiest trip in a harmony." And Rock says, "I heard that." <laughs> I love uh, how many, so many different phrases have like easy to beat up a horn eater. There's been like six or seven now that have just been like making fun of horn eaters as an idea. I don't know. Um, I would also like to point out the fact that. Kaladin thinks about where Gaz is because apparently Gaz didn't come on this bridge run. I mean, to be, to be honest, we have we the reader haven't seen Gaz in a minute. I know where is Gaz? Maybe Gaz is uh, the one sending the things. Maybe he's being forced to slit someone's throat. <laughs> yeah, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Um, I, hmm. I don't trust Gaz, and I think Gaz is up to something. And this statement makes me think Gaz is up to something because hmm. why would Kaladin think about where Gaz is? Well, because he's not there. I know. If I was, but a why cre- would why? Okay, not Kaladin. Why would Brandon Sanderson add in this point? That's a good if question. If there wasn't something okay. up with it, because if if I started an episode without you and then said, "Where's Sydney?" It wouldn't be because she's up to something. It would be it's weird that she's not here. I know. My point but is, I the think the audience may ask. Why did Colton start the episode without Sydney? And that would be a more valid question than why did Colton wonder where Sydney no, was? I, I just wonder, as a writer, hmm. why did Brandon Saracen include this? Good question. Just for details? Theory. Or, Make a theory right now. Go. I think Gaz is up to something. I think Gaz either knows what they're doing, what Bridge 4 is doing, hmm. and is trying to catch them. Okay. Or he is, maybe he knows and he's trying to help Bridge 4. Okay. No. No. Mm, I don't trust Gaz. Yeah. I just think he is up to something. Well, I don't you know do what it is. Do trust Sadius? Mm, 
more, I do. more than you did. More, yes. I I trust Sadius. I think Sadius is going to have a little bit of a redemption arc. Hmm. Maybe I still think of him as slime. I still think. He's oh, slime. I don't like him. Okay, but good. I have hope for him. Hope is good. I have no hope for Gaz. Fair enough. Even though Gaz has gotten a lot better on our listing recently, yeah. but I don't. I don't trust him. He's too. Hmm. He's never left the bottom five. He's gotten better in our listings, but he's but never he, left yes, the bottom five. I don't. Okay. Anyways, moving on from Gaz. Moving I just wanted to Gaz. point that out because I thought that little statement in this book was interesting. Yes. And I think it's important. Okay. Good. Okay. Anyways, uh, so they continue to stand there. They're watching the battle as they always do. Uh, no biggie. Um, no biggie. Eventually, they they head back. The soldiers are being buttholes to the bridgemen as they cross <laughs> over. Nice. And Moash is like, why do they do that? And this is Cowden's answer. He says, when I fought in Amaram's army, I dreamed about joining the troops of the Shattered Plains. Everyone knew that the soldiers left in Alethkar were the dregs. We imagined the real soldiers, all fighting in the glorious war to bring retribution to those who had killed our king. Mm-hmm. Those soldiers would treat their fellows with fairness. Their discipline would be firm. Each would be, on an ex- each would be an expert with the spear, and he would not break rank to the battlefield. And then he says, why do they treat us so, Melesh? Because they know they should be better than they are. Because they see discipline and bridgement and embarrasses them. Rather than b- bettering themselves, they take the easier road of jeering at us. And so I think that's that's interesting because I do think that's true. Mm-hmm. Like I think yeah. Calden has a very good point. Um, and then Scar says, down our colon soldiers don't act like that. His men march in straight lines. They're very like respectful. Like they don't, you know, they they follow like this sort of code. Yeah. And Calden's like, why in the world do I keep hearing about stinking down on our colon? I am tired of colon. It. Colin? Colin. <laughs> I said colon. Yeah, it's colon. Oh, but I like saying colon. It's colon. Because <laughs> colon is a terrible name colon. and colon is cool. <laughs> colon. Calling a dude colon is, is calling a dude an intestine. <laughs> calling a dude a colon is calling him an honorable light eyes. Okay, well, whatever. <laughs> um. Anyways, Kaladin's tired of hearing about Dalinar. And he, he again thinks about the reputation thing in Amaram. I think Navani's last name is colon. Is it, is I would assume so. Navani Colin because Gavilar Colin. Yeah, I would assume so. Okay. I mean, I don't know, but I would assume. And Dalinar's wife is Colin. And <laughs> 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 I think we're gonna find out eventually about his wife. Okay. And what happened? That's a good theory. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um. Anyways, might not be this book, but I do think it'll. Yeah, there's not much eventually. book left for that whole storyline oh, to re- no. resolve itself. I think it will. Yeah, I think it'll happen eventually. We'll get some kind of backstory for Dalinar. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, they get back to uh, the war camp and Kaladin dismisses them. And right before they all leave, they do this fun little salute to Kaladin. Whoop, whoop. They came up with themselves. Describe it and I'll do it as you describe it. Okay. So they raise a hand. As one, the bridgemen raise their arms and cross them, wrists together, hands and fists. Like an, You think an like X, X or like a T? I was thinking an X. X. Okay. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I, I've, I've done simple. it. I've done it. Do it. Everyone is listening. Do it. Even if you're driving. No, don't do it if you're driving. Do it if you're driving. Don't do it if you're driving. Ignore Colton. <laughs> don't do it if you're driving. If you are driving, do keep it, at least one it, hand on the steering wheel. Don't do it if you're driving. Do not driving. Keep at least. You can do it with one hand. You can yeah. be. You can be loping for a second and do it with one hand. Loping is like punches his chest is what it feels like to Maybe. me. You can do it with one hand if you're driving, but keep at least one hand on the steering wheel. Thank you, Sydney, for being responsible. Thank you. I try. Yes. Anyways, moving on. Teft taught them. Yeah, Teft. Uh, well, they it was their idea to like come up with 
something that they could salute Kaladin with, which is really, really nice. And Tev taught them because that was his old uh, salute when he was a soldier. Like part of his group salute. Like, I guess not the, not the whole army salute, but like. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But I think that's really, really awesome that they did that. And I love that for them. And Kaladin starts, or Tef starts asking Kaladin again whether he's had feeling odd lately. And, and Kaladin's he- like, dude, you keep asking me this. What is going on? And Tef's like, nothing, nothing. And Kaladin's like, just tell me. Yeah. And, but then Lopin walks up, distracts Kaladin, and then? Yeah. Kaladin starts glowing. Well, what happens? What happens before he starts glowing? Well, he's got all the, like, the the spears and stuff, and he... And what does Teft do? Well, Teft is like... <laughs> okay, so Kaladin gets distracted, and then tw- Teft swings on yes, Kaladin. Teft tries to, like, smack him in the face, and Kaladin stops him, and Teft's like, dang, you got a strong grip. Yeah, he caught the fist. Yeah. And, yeah, and then Lopin's like, dude, you're glowing. Yeah, man, you're you're glowing, glowing. Well, do do Lopin's voice. I don't know what Lopin's voice is. You do. He's Lopin's an voice. Australian man. Do an Australian. Man's I voice. cannot do an Australian accent. Um, I'm terrible at accents. And then, uh, where does he say it? I don't even see. I don't even see. Gancho, you're glowing. <laughs> uh, and Khaled is confused. Yeah, which is fair. And he looks at himself, and he is in fact glowing, and deft. Teft obviously knows what's going on. And Kaladin looks at Teft and is like, what did you do? And is like freaking out. But he feels like really, really super strong. And Teft's like, I didn't do anything. I caught you feeding off Stormlight when you were sick. Mm. And Kaladin's like, oh my gosh. He pulls out like the spheres and is like, that's why they're all done. That's why they're dark and have nothing in them when they were fine a little bit ago. Now that's something, Lopin says. Yeah. Why does he say it? What does he see? Um... Because Kaladin's, well, there's like light streaming off of Kaladin's skin now. But also, the medicine that he was holding for Teft, he said he set it on the edge of the water barrel. Oh, but it's stuck. Yeah. It's stuck to the side of the yeah. water bar- barrel. Yeah. Which is bizarre. So mm-hmm. Kaladin did an accidental lashing, which yeah. is fun. He stuck two things together. He did stick Whoop. two things together. But Kaladin's very unsure what's happening. He spots Syl and it's like, Syl's done this. And so he goes over to Syl and starts asking her questions. And um, she's like, I don't know. She says, I can only, I can, I can only feel remember things I used to know so well. This world, interacting with men. And she says, we have done something. It wasn't me. It wasn't you, but together. And she doesn't really fully answer his questions. But uh, she finds, or Calvin asks, you're not a windsprint, are you? And so we find out that Syl is not, in fact, the windsprint. She doesn't know what she is, though. No, she she's unsure what she is, but she binds things. And so basically, they, she said, I'm a bindsprint. <laughs> Did she say that? Oh, no. Sorry. Oh. Sorry. She sees Bind's Bren. Yeah, that's she's my not bad. a Bind's Bren. No, sorry. That's my bad. I was going to say, you scared me. No, sorry. She sees Bind's Bren. I forgot that that was a separate thing. Because Kaladin sticks a rock to the wall and he yeah. looks at the gap in between and sees a bunch of tiny little Spren holding them together. Yeah. Um. But it's it's just interesting. And they have this little conversation about, about what's going on. And she... Oh, wait. Kaladin, I actually... I want you to, to answer this, okay? Okay. What do you think? Because... She, he, Kaladin says the bind spread are holding the rock to the wall. Mm-hmm. And she says, or they're attracted to the binding you did. Like you did something that's attracting the mm-hmm. bind spread. Like do rot spread cause sickness or are they attracted to it? And Kaladin says, well, they cause it obviously. Mm-hmm. But she says, okay, do wind spread cause the wind? Do fire mm-hmm. spread cause the fire? Mm-hmm. What do you think? I do not think that the spren cause it. I think the spren are attracted to it. So like rot spread are attracted to something that's going to rot. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Like I th- yes, and like the death spren aren't attracted to death. They're attracted to someone who someone is dying. Someone who is dying. 
Yes. I, I don't think that the spren cause it. I think the spren are attracted to it. By the way, in the leather-bound version, you remember that scene I said it's like one of my favorites, the image of Syl standing in, with, with a little tiny sword fighting off death spren? Uh-huh. Uh, in the leather-bound book that I have, there's a drawing of that scene. Really? Yeah, and so I'm going to pull it up on my phone really quick so you can see it because it's a really good drawing. That's so cool. Um, anyways, so they, they talk about that and uh, they talk about, about what's going on and Kaladin says that he wants to get rid of the light and Sil's like, why? Why must you get rid of it? Like, you've heard the stories, the men who walked in walls, men who bound the storms to them, they're called windrunners in the stories, which is, I think, interesting, but... Mm she's like why would you want to get rid of something like that oh wow this is the drawing she's looking at oh wow isn't that really pretty that's so pretty anyway. i wish you guys could see this yeah look up still spreading death spread you'll find it uh, <laughs> but it's the the leather bat has a bunch of those random spots with like really really high quality art as yeah. you're reading and it's always very good although it does for me spoil when things happen in the books i'll see like the the weird different page yeah. up there and be like oh here's where x does y yeah i can't tell you who does what when yeah so that's so fun though. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, but they just have this like conversation about what's going on. Yeah. And Calden thinks he's cursed and still's like You are You're not, not cursed. cursed. And they just have this whole conversation about this and Sill asks if Calden thinks that she's a curse. And still or Calden says, I well, you said you're a part of it and Sil get, and then Sil gets very offended, which is kind of fair. Right, Sil, rightfully slow. Yeah, yeah. She goes, So you think I've caused all this? Your failures, the death? And then she leaves because she's upset, which is fair. And Cowden's like, I'm overreacting. And Lopin and Tev come back and they're like, you really are shining, man. You're like bright, bright. And Cowden gets overwhelmed and, and leaves. Yeah. He, he hides. Yes. And so where he's decided to hide is at the edge of like the war camps. Like, where the chasms where are. Where the chasms are. He goes over there to be by himself. At this point, the light's like faded and it's gone now from his body. Mm -hmm. All the stormlight is out. Um, he's just kind of sitting there on the side thinking about everything that's going on, thinking about how, how sad he is, how confused he is. You know, I don't blame him for wanting to be alone right now because, mm -hmm. you know, there's kind of a lot that's happened in the last couple weeks for Kaladin. And he's thinking about how he should have died during the high storm. There's no reason he should have survived. Um, he thinks about Syl, about how she kind of admitted responsibility for what's happening, but she doesn't seem to understand what's going on either. Uh, they're just she. He's very confused, and as he's sitting there, he he hears this very like nice music. He hears music playing from from the mm -hmm. the chasms from the plains. Okay, and wait. There is this is you you you're gonna keep going a second, but you and I need to figure out how we're gonna do this because this whole interaction is my favorite of the book so far. Yeah. So we need to read it somehow. I agree. But it's also like seven pages long. You don't want to read the whole thing? Let's do the whole thing. No. Well, first, set up. Do, do some setup. What does he see? Are we doing the whole thing? Well, we might later. We'll see. Okay. Um. So he goes down and he sees... He First off, he sees a campfire. He smells smoke. Um, sitting by the campfire, singing the campfire song. Okay. So he does. <laughs> yeah, kind of. And he spots a man sitting on a boulder wearing a light-eyes black uniform. Mm. There's fires in front of him. Um. He's got a, a sword at his waist. The man... His pale blue eyes, and he's playing a flute, That's which hawkish. I would like to say he's playing an earth flute. Yes, I played an earth flute. Ooh, I did. I did play flute for a very long time. He also has hawkish figures, black hair, and is Hoyd. 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 Okay. Hoyd. Hoyd. 
So as or he, wit, so I guess. Kaladin approaches, and as he approaches, the music suddenly cuts off. And now we're going to start our reading. Here's the thing. We might do the whole thing. If we come back later, we decided to bail. Who knows? We'll see. Here it goes. I always worry that I'll forget how to play her, a soft voice said from behind. It's silly, I know, considering how long I've practiced. But these days, I rarely give her the attention she deserves. Kaladin turned towards the stranger. His flute was carved from a dark wood that was almost black. The instrument seemed too ordinary to belong to a light eyes, yet the man held it reverently. What are you doing here? Kaladin asked. Sitting. Occasionally playing. I mean, why are you here? Why am I here? The man asked, lowering his flute, leaning back and relaxing. Why are any of us here? That's a rather deep question for a first meeting, young Bridgman. I generally prefer introductions before theology. Lunch, too, if it can be found. Perhaps a nice nap. Actually, practically anything should come before theology, but especially introductions. All right, Cowden said. And you are... Sitting, occasionally playing, with the minds of Bridgman. Cowden reddened, turning again to go. Let the fool light eyes say and do what he wished. Calden had difficult decisions to think about. Well, off with you then, the light eyes said from behind. Glad you were going. Wouldn't want you too close. I'm rather attached to my stormlight. Calden froze, then he spun. What? My spheres, the strange man said, holding up what appeared to be a fully infused emerald brome. Everyone knows that Bridgman are thieves, or at least beggars. Of course. He had been talking about spheres. He didn't know about Calden's affliction, did he? The man's eyes twinkled as if at a grand joke. Don't be insulted being called a thief, the man said, raising a finger. Kaladin frowned. Where had the sphere gone? He had been holding it in his hand. I meant it as a compliment. A compliment? Calling someone a thief? Of course. I myself am a thief. You are? What do you steal? Pride, the man said, leaning forward, and occasionally boredom, if I may take the pride unto myself. I am the king's wit, or I was until recently. I think I shall probably lose the title soon. The king's what? Wit. It's my job to be witty. Saying confusing things isn't the same as being witty. Ah, the man said, eyes twinkling. Already you prove yourself more wise than most who have been my acquaintance lately. What is it to be witty then? To say clever things. And what is cleverness? I... Why was he having this conversation? Uh, I guess it's the ability to say and do the right things at the right time. The king's wit cocked his head and then smiled. Finally, he held out his hand to Kaladin. And what is your name, my thoughtful bridgeman? Kaladin hesitantly raised his own hand. Kaladin, and yours? I've many. The man shook Kaladin's hand. I began life as a thought, a concept, words on the page. That was another thing I stole, myself. Another time, I was named for a rock. A pretty one, I hope. A beautiful one, the man said, and one that became completely worthless for my wearing it. Well, what do men call you now? Many things, and only some of them polite. Almost all are true, unfortunately. You, however, may call me Hoyd. Your name? No, the name of someone I should have loved. Once again, this is a thing I stole. It is something we thieves do. He glanced eastward over the rapidly darkening plains. The little fire burning beside Hoyd's boulder shed a fugitive light. Red from glimmering coals. Well, it was pleasant to meet you, Calden said. I will be on my way. Not before I give you something. Hoyd picked up his flute. Wait, please. Kaladin sighed. He had a feeling that this odd man was not going to let him escape until he was done. This is a trailman's flute, Hoyd said, inspecting the length of dark wood. It is meant to be used by a storyteller, for him to play while he was telling a story. 
you mean to accompany a storyteller being played by someone else while he speaks? Actually, I meant what I said. How would a man tell a story while playing the flute? I love Hoyden. <laughs> As you can tell, we decided to bail before the six-page long story. Oh, gosh, yeah. But that was also still a very insightful interaction into yes. Hoyd's person. Hoyd cracks me up. Also, can I say real quick, this mm-hmm. Hoyd says, when Kaladin asks him what his name is, mm-hmm. Hoyd says, I began life as a thought. A concept, words on a page, and that makes me laugh because that is how Hoyd began life. Yeah, it almost because seems like he, he knows. Was, he Doesn't was it? a he was a thought and a concept and words on a page. It almost seems like he knows he's in a story. I know. That anyway. was kind of the vibes I got from that sentence, and that just made me laugh because I feel like Brandon Sanderson probably did that on purpose. Yes, and I'm ecstatic for his. There's a book called Dragon Steel, which is what his whole company is named after. That is the sen- the first book he started work on, Brandon Sanderson. That mm-hmm. is the origins for Hoyd. I am ecstatic for whenever he finishes this story and it comes out. I am going to devour this because I want to know Hoyt's whole deal. <laughs> um, yes. I also would like to. I love Hoyt. And I want right? to know Hoyt's whole deal too. Um, Who is Hoyt? Anyway, what did he mean by play the flute and tell a story? So while Hoyt is playing, he he they're in like one of the chasms, right? So it's pretty echoey. Wait, or, I have an idea. Yes? We're not going to do a dramatic reading for the story. How about this? You describe what happens. Anytime Hoyd speaks as part of the story, I'll just read it in his in my Hoyd voice. Okay. And so we can just alternate back and forth what happens and who yeah, sees what. for sure. Okay. Um. So I guess we'll just start off with the fact that uh, Hoyd starts playing and mm-hmm. he's playing this flute, which again, like I said, is like an earth flute. Like a human flute. The flutes that, that uh, Kaladin has seen before are like straight down, whereas a flute, like our flutes, are like yeah. out sideways. So I thought that was fun yeah. that he's playing a, like a real life legit flute that we would have here on Earth, which right. is really fun. And I played one myself in high school. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> um, but anyways, he's playing this this uh, this flute and the tune starts off like very powerful, demanding. And Kaladin thinks, thinks of it as like each note were a hook flung out to like spear Kaladin's flesh and hold him near. And then abruptly Hoyt stops, but the notes continue to echo in the chasm. This story is about Derethel and the Wander Sail. The Rethel was well known in some lands, though I have heard him spoken of less here in the East. He was a king during the Shadow Days, the time before memory, a powerful man, commander of thousands, leader of tens of thousands, tall, regal, blessed with fair skin and fairer eyes. He was a man to envy. And so just as uh, Hoy finishes this section, the echoes of the music start to fade, and Hoy begins to play again, right as like, the rhythm and the the sound starts to go out. He picks up the rhythm almost as if like it just he hadn't stopped. So that's how the the flute, how some, a storyteller is able to play the flute and tell a story at the same time, which is really cool. Um, at this point, the notes are going more smooth. They're suggesting a king walking through court with his attendants. Um, and as Hoyd plays, he leans towards the fire in the air. He blew out. He blew over the flute, churned the smoke, stirring it. The music's growing softer. The smoke is swirling. Um, Kaladin thinks he can make out the face of a man in the patterns of the smoke. Um, so a man with a pointed chin and lofty cheekbones. Yeah. He thinks it's just a, an, a, his own imagination, but, you know. Derethel fought the Voidbringers during the days of the Heralds and Radiance. When there was finally peace, he found he was not content. His eyes always turned westward, toward the great open sea. He commissioned the finest ship men had ever known, a majestic vessel intended to do what none had dared before. Sail the seas during a high storm. So once again, the echoes of the music tail off. Uh, Hoyd begins playing again. 
Um, and the smoke is swirling. It's rising in the air. It's twisting in like the wind of Hoyd's breath. Cowden thinks he can almost see like an enormous ship in the shipyard with a sail as large as a building secured in um, to an arrow like hull. The melody of the song becomes really quick and clipped as almost if it's almost as if it's imitating the sounds of mallets pounding and saws cutting. Derethel's goal was to seek the origin of the Voidbringers, the place where they had been spawned. Many called him a fool, yet he could not hold himself back. He named the vessel the Wander Sail and gathered a crew of the bravest sailors. Then, on a day when a high storm brewed, the ship cast off, riding out into the ocean. The sail hung wide, like arms open to the storm winds. Once again, Hoyd starts playing, and he's starting the fire by kicking a piece of rockwood shell at it. Um, sparks come up and start swirling around his flute. Uh, the the music becomes like really uh, violent, and the notes are failing unexpectedly and trilling, and the scales are like getting really high and like screeching, and it's very very violent. Um, Cowden sees all of like what's happening in his mind's eye, so he sees the massive ship suddenly really small b- um, before the high storm being blown about and like just thrown everywhere. Um, and he thinks about how how crazy a high storm must be on like in the um on the sea versus like on land uh he sees the uh like the sound is echoing off the walls of the chasm and he sees the tiny ship like getting crushed by the the storm the water sail was nearly destroyed in the crash but derethel and most of his sailors survived they found themselves on a ring of small islands surrounding an enormous whirlpool where it is said the ocean drains Derethel and his men were greeted by a strange people with long, limber bodies who wear robes of a single colors and shells in their hair, unlike anything that grew on Roshar. These people took the survivors in, fed them, and nursed them back to health. During his weeks of recovery, Derethel studied the strange people who called themselves the Uvara, the people of the Great Abyss. They, lo- lived, in, they lived curious lives, unlike the people in Roshar, who constantly argue. The Uvara always seemed to agree. From childhood, there was no question. Each and every person went about his duty. So once again, Hoyt starts playing the music, letting the smoke rise. Kaladin thinks he can see an industrious people always working. And while he's watching, a building kind of like roses up, rises up out of, um, among them with a figure at the center. And uh, the music is like very calm and curious. One day, while Derethel and his men were sparring to regain strength, a young serving girl brought them refreshment. She tip, tripped on an uneven stone, dropping the goblet to the floor and shattering them. In a flash, the other Uvara descended on the hapless child and slaughtered her in a brutal way. Derethril and his men were so stunned that by the time they regained their wits, the child was dead. Angry, Derethil demanded to know the cause of the unjustified murder. One of the other natives explained, Our emperor will suffer not will our emperor would not suffer failure. Once again, the music begins, but this time it's very sorrowful and makes Catelyn like shiver. He watches the girl being bludgeoned to death with rocks and the proud form of Derethel bowing above her her fallen body. And Catelyn thinks about he knows he knows that that feeling. He knows that sorrow, um, and he he knows that he should be getting back to Bridge Four, but he doesn't want to. He can't get away from the storyteller. As Derethel began to pay more attention, he saw other murders. These Uvara, these people of the Great Abyss were prone to astonishingly cruel were prone to astonishing cruelty if one of the their members did something wrong something the slightest bit untoward or unfavorable the others would slaughter him or her each time he asked the the derethel caretakers gave him the same answer our emperor will not suffer failure 
Again, the music starts to fade, but Hoyd continues, starts to play again, and it's it's very, very soft. Um, it's very solemn. It's quiet. Uh, it's like a lament for one that's passed. And occasionally it gets like, there's occasional quick bursts hitting at secrets. And Kaladin, as he's watching, watches the smoke spin. He seems to see a, a really tall, thin tower with an open structure at the top. The Emperor, Derethel discovered, resided in the tower on the eastern coast of the largest island among the Uvara. So Kaladin at this point thinks that's crazy because I just saw that, but I didn't know this was coming. So that's fun. Derethel demanded that he needed to confront the cruel emperor. What kind of monster would demand that such an obviously peaceful people kill so often and so terribly? Derethel gathered his sailors, a heroic group, and they armed themselves. The Uvara did not try to stop them, though they watched with fright as a stranger stormed the Emperor's Tower. Hoyt again falls silent and doesn't turn back to his flute this time. Instead, he kind of lets the music echo in the chasm, and it seems to like linger with long, sinister notes. Derethel and his men came out of the tower a short time later, carrying a disassented corpse in fine robes and jewelry. This is your Emperor? Derethel demanded. We found him in the top room, alone. It appeared that the men had been dead for years. But nobody had dared to enter his tower. They were too frightened of him. When he showed the Uvara the dead body, they began to wail and weep. The entire island was cast into chaos as the Uvara began to burst, burn homes, riot, or fall to their knees in torment. Amazed and confused, Derethel and his men stormed the Uvara shipyard where the wandersail was being repaired. Their guide and caretaker joined, joined them, and she begged the com- and she begged to accompany them in their escape. So that. So it was that Nafti joined the group. Derethro and his men set sail, and though the winds were still, they rode the wander sail around the whirlpool, using the momentum to spin them out and away from the islands. Long after they left, they could see, they could see the smoke rising from the ostensibly peaceful lands. They gathered on the deck, watching. Derethro asked Nafti the reason for the terrible riots. Hoyd falls silent at this point and lets his words kind of rise with the strange smoke and like lost to the night. And Kaladin asks, like, what was her response? Holding a blanket around herself, staring with haunted eyes at her lands, she replied, Do you not see, traveling one? If the emperor is dead and has been all these years, then the murders we committed are not his responsibility. They are our own. And that's the end of the story. That was really fun. I enjoyed that. I think it's a good way to do that. I like the way we did that. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Let us know what you guys thought because I enjoyed that. Yeah, that if you tell us if you liked it. it. If we did it in a bad way and we should never do it again, also tell us that because then we won't do it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that was fun. So kind of the whole point, Kaladin thinks about this and is like, he he just, he thinks about the fact how much Hoyd changed from the beginning. He was being kind of joking and like he was using mockery. And then he went to like being very serious. And Kaladin says, I think that is cleverness. Being able to remember a story like that, to tell it with such care. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I love Hoyd. <laughs> yeah. Hoyd's such a fun character. And yeah. he gets so much more in this than he did in the other book there's also in warbreaker when we read that although we read a lot of his interactions if you want to read hoyd being witty there's a whole other three pages of him and him and kaladin talking and hoyd being witty with him so yeah we did not spoil all of hoyd's wittiness no um but kaladin you know just they they talk about wit a little bit they uh talk about stories kaladin asks about the fire about the the special smoke and hoyd's like it's just ordinary fire yeah and uh, Kaladin's like, but I, I saw, and Hoy interrupts and says, what you saw belongs to you. A story doesn't live until it is imagined in someone's mind. And then Kaladin asks, what does the story mean then? Pause. 
that seems like a reference to earlier when Hoyt said he started as a story oh, and then yeah. came to life. It yeah. seems like somebody may have pictured him and he managed to like capture his own consciousness and create himself. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, but Hoyt's answer to to this, uh, what the story means is, it means what you want it to mean. The purpose of a storyteller is not to tell you how to think, but to give you questions to think upon. Too often we forget that. Yeah. Which is really, really good. It is really, this whole thing, every time Hoyt talks, it feels like Brandon's like, I, it feels like he's like, well, I want to be deep for a minute. So I need, I need Hoyt to hop in here so I can say some deep crap. Seriously. Hoyt has a very, yeah, I love Hoyt. And the crap he says is true too, and which is yes, dope. Yes, it is really true. And he's very, very insightful. And I'm elegant big, in the way he presents mm-hmm. it. I'm very a big fan of, very, very big fan. Very I, a big fan. I am very a big fan of this. A very big fan of Hoyt. Um, very a big fan. But Kaladin says, Kaladin's interpret, interpretation of this story is, he says, it means taking responsibility. The Uvara, they were happy to kill and murder so long as they could blame the Emperor. It wasn't until they realized there was nobody to take the responsibility that they showed grief. Mm-hmm. And so Hoyt's like, yeah, that's one interpretation. And then he asks, so what is it you don't want to take responsibility for? And Kaladin's like, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> um, and so they, they talk about this briefly and... Uh, Hoyd, right before he leaves, gives Kaladin the flute. Yep. And Kaladin's like, oh, well, thank you. And then we find out that Sigzil was Hoyd's apprentice. Yeah, the world singer. He says, which is amazing. Let, let my apprentice know that he is now a full world singer. I wish he had told me he lived. He basically is like, essentially, I'm promoting Sigzil. Which is amazing. I love that. And um, Kaladin doesn't know what to do with the flute. And so Kaladin's like, oh, I'll give Sigzil the flute. Yes. And Hoyd goes, no, you won't. It's a gift to you, Kaladin Stormblessed. I expect you to be able to play it when we next meet. I'm surprised that Kaladin didn't react to him being called Kaladin Stormblessed. Yes. Like, I also thought that when I read the I book. I was like, oh, oh, Kaladin didn't react to that? And clearly Hoy knows Kaladin can suck in Stormlight. That was... The, yes. The, at, for, Kaladin stayed because Hoyt implied that he knew that. Yes. It's it's interesting. And so Kaladin, Kaladin leaves, or well, Hoyt leaves, and then Kaladin leaves after him to head back to, to camp. And he's inspecting the flute and still suddenly pops up. And she's like, I don't like him. He's strange. Still, I disagree with you. He is strange, but like him. Yeah. Be a fan. Str- strange is good. This is a whole podcast based around two strange people being strange. <laughs> yeah. Strange seriously. is good. You better like it if you're here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but basically, still has been there for a while watching. Mm-hmm. She just didn't want to interrupt. And she says suddenly, she says, I'm behind what is happening to you. I'm doing it. And she says, it's both of us. But without me, nothing would be changing in you. I'm taking something from you and giving something in return. It's the way it used to work, though I can't remember how or when. I just know that it is. And basically, she she says, I'm willing to stop whatever it is I'm doing, if you want, but that would mean I would go back to being nothing. Mm-hmm. I would just float around not being able to remember anything. And so she looks at Kaladin, like, all sad, like, mm-hmm. and Kaladin basically decides, no, I'm not I'm not going to let still disappear like Of course. That, which I am very glad. Um. And so they head they head back to the uh, the camp, and Calden's thinking about what Hoyd said, so about what responsibilities he's avoiding, mm-hmm. and he's thinking about the fact that you know he thinks about the the deaths and everything that's happened and things his father said, and he says to Sil right before they get back, he says, "I'm not cursed. If I'm not cursed, then why do I live? Because when others die." And Sil says, "Because of us, this bond it makes you stronger, Calden." And Kaladin says, then why can't it make me strong enough to help the others? And Sil says, I don't know. Maybe it can. And so Kaladin thinks about the fact that if he gets rid of what he has, then mm-hmm. he'd just die. Yeah. 
And how is that going to help the others if he's just dead? He also makes a really good revelation that he has been helping them for selfish reasons, thinking mm-hmm. he wouldn't let them die as yes. if he had control of their lives. And he, if they died, I die, so I can't let them die. Yes. It was selfish reasons. And then there's a paragraph here I want to read because it's really good. Okay. But if it wasn't about him, if it was, if he wasn't helping the Bridgeland because he loathed failure or because he feared the pain of watching them die, then it would have to be about them, about Rock's affable jibes, about Moash's intensity, about Tef's earnest gruffness or Pete's quiet dependability. What would he do to protect them, give up his illusions, his excuses, seize whatever opportunity he could, no matter how it changed him, no matter how it unnerved him or what burdens it represented? Yeah. So he kind of just decides that he's going to start doing this for, he's going to keep whatever's going on. He's going to accept that responsibility and he's going to, to help them for good reasons, not just to save himself. Help them because they are people who deserve help. Yep. Not because he couldn't, not for selfish reasons anymore. And so he gets, he gets back to what a beautiful sentiment, by the way. Yes. How often do we do things that are not selfish out of selfish reasons? Yeah. So I, I love that sentiment of like, how often do we serve at a soup kitchen so people see us doing that? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. we're not serving for them, we're serving for like that is that is good. Yeah. I I like that message. Yeah, I agree. So he gets back up to uh the camp and uh Bridge Forest having their nightly stew, which I love that they do this every evening. Yep. Um and Kaladin uh seeks out Teft, who's kind of sitting off on his own, and he asks, "What do you know and how do you know it?" And Tef's response is, he says, when I was a youth, my family belonged to a secret sect that awaited the return of the Radiance. I quit when I was just a youth. I thought it was nonsense. And Kaladin asks, how much do you know about what I can do? And Tef says, not much, just legends and stories. Nobody really knows what the Radiance could do. And mm-hmm. then Kaladin, the end of this, the chapter, Kaladin says, well, we're going to find out. Bum, bum, and and good news, Sydney and I won't, have to wait, won't even have to wait a week to find out. You guys will, but we're going to find out later today. Woo! Woo! Okay, a theories, though. This is why we have to do it this way. We can't record back to back. Is because we need theories. Yeah. Sydney, make it worth it. What is Kaladin going to do? Better give us the most insightful oh, theory gosh darn you've it. ever given. No. Otherwise, why you put that pressure on me? Because otherwise, this will have all been for naught, and we could have just read both before we came here. Oh man, darn you! You know, <laughs> I hate that. Um, let's see here. I think that. Hmm. Hmm. Let me think. I'm, I'm allowing you. Thank you for You're letting welcome. me think. Welcome. <laughs> the problem is I can't think in silence because this is a podcast. Okay. Yeah, you think you think in silence while I start getting ready to, to do the next thing. No. Okay. Let's see. I think that no. Calden is going to do something. Oh, okay. And what is the thing? <laughs> uh, no, okay. I think that Cowden is going to figure out how to use he's gonna he and Teft are gonna work together and still mm-hmm. are gonna work together and they're going to practice the different things he can do so the sticking of things they're gonna find out how he can do the different lashings and stuff yep. Teft is gonna tell him what he knows they're gonna learn Cowden's gonna learn how to do like certain types of lashings and stuff yeah and on bridge runs he's gonna be going, going to be able to like he already has a little bit like sub like yeah you know subconsciously but consciously he's gonna start pushing the arrows away and saving people that way and yeah Sweet. I think he's going to figure out how to get them out and like keep them protected. And can the people who in can like Seth, can he heal people? Hmm. That's a good question. What do you think? I think yes. If they okay. can heal themselves. I feel like he could be able to heal other people too. Just shove that storm out into them. Yeah. Mm, okay. Good, hmm. good guess. 
Maybe. We'll see. Um, but I think that he's going to protect them that way. He's going to like be like a shield, basically like a giant human shield for them. Cool. For like so, all the bridge, but not I have a question for you. Yeah. The people who are definitely keeping track of how many you get right and wrong, right? Uh-huh. Do they keep this as one big one or they split it up into little bits of like... <laughs> yeah, I did do a lot. Yeah. So because there's a few like... Because otherwise, I think they must split it up. Listener, split it up into several small theories. Like, Kaladin will start embracing and learning. Kaladin will uh, be able to heal people. Kaladin will, like, split it up into bits. Because otherwise, every theory she does is going to fall into kind of right. So, um, <laughs> okay. split it up just so we know. Because there's definitely somebody out there who's doing these, I I'm sure. I hope so. I'll be so anyway. devastated if there's not. At the end of this book, no one has. I'm going to be so sad. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Oh, okay. Thank you for doing your theory. It was Thank a very you. good one. I really appreciated it. Thank you. Now, I think, is it time? Yeah. Okay, then it's time to rank the characters. Woo! Okay, here we go. Here we okay. go. Sydney, you want to tell them all the characters we saw this week? Yes, I do. So this week we saw Kaladin, Rock, Scar, Teft, Moash, Sigzil, Hashal, Maps, Drehe, Shen, Malop, Sil, Lopin, Layton, Earless, Jax. Sadius, Dalinar, Adolin, Taleb, Yake, Eric, and Hoyd. A pretty long week this week. Yeah, pretty long. We decided to rank them thusly. Hoyd is our number one character. He was very helpful, very cool Hoyd, guy. Hoyd, Love Hoyd. Hoyd. Followed by Kaladin, because he's Kaladin. Then Teft, because he was helpful. Then Dalinar and Adolin, because they're good people. Then Syl, because she was actually pretty chill and was around. Yeah, she was around this time. Then Rock, then Lopin, then Sigsil, because they're the cool bridgemen. And Moash and Scar. Then Sadius, because we didn't hate him. We still don't like him, but he was yeah. he was pretty okay this chapter. Yeah. Then we're into the characters we don't really know or care about. We got Dre, He, Shen, Melop, Layton, Earless, Jax, Yake, and Taleb. Then Wish You Were Dead. Only the one is Hashal this week. And then Actually Dead. There's Maps and there's Eric, two dead bridgemen. I would like to say that we Hashal wasn't really there, but she was mentioned enough in her... her, thi- her she had impact. Yes. So we've kind of started including like the characters like that who have impact. They might mm-hmm. not be there, but they're impacting what happened. In the yeah, story. we wouldn't have we would have done this with a new character, but yeah, because the Shaw has already talked to stuff and she changed the arc of this chapter as it would be. Yes, she's important enough to yes. be ranked. Yep. Okay, you want to read last week's top five, bottom five, Sydney? Yes. So last week's top five was Kaladin, Dalinar, Teft, Rock, and Shalon. Mm-hmm. And last week's bottom five was Gaz, Sadius, Hashal, Capsule, and Amaram. Sweet. And to be honest, not much changed. Yeah, this week, the top five is Kaladin, Dalinar, and now Hoyd is our third favorite, Ooh. followed by Taft and Rock in the same order. Basically, we just kicked Shalon off and Hoyd jumped to third. Yep. Bottom five. Uh, the literally only thing that happened is Gaz and Sadius switch spots. So it's Sadius, Gaz, Hashal, Capsule, Amaram. Yep. Not a lot of people we hated, not a lot of people we loved. Um, we also noticed something this week. Capsule is the only character in this book who at one point was positive in our top five and now and, and then changed to the other side, bottom five. Yeah. No one else has ever made that switch where they were good enough to be good and then bad enough to be bad. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. I'm still sad about Capsule. That makes that breaks my heart. The like yeah. capsule capsule is bad. Yeah. It's boo. Anywho, thank you guys all for listening. Yeah. That's been this week. That's it been has this episode. Been this week. You're uh, right. We would like to say thank you to Alesia. Uh, for making the intro and outro to our program. That's called Windrunner Remake. And that is A-L-E-Z-E-I-A on Spotify. So thank you to you. It's a great song. You should go check it out. We love it a lot. Yeah. We'd also like to say, make sure that you read chapters 58, 59, and 60 for next week. Because if you don't read those chapters, Sydney will... I mean, there's people who just straight up died to arrows, but that's not very interesting. Um... (laughs) 
Oh, wacky with a warhammer. <laughs> Whoop! See how far she can get. I'll take Thor's hammer and just smack you over the head with it. Yeah, it's it. like it's like a home run contest with Sydney and the warhammer. Well, I'm a golfer. I bet I could get a pretty good swing on you. Yeah, for real. Chaw. Get her in some shard plate. She can send some fools. I'll absolutely send you flying. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. Go follow us on Instagram. Leave, let us know what you thought. Leave a review on Apple. We'd love it. Uh, my name is Colin Pratt. And I'm Sydney Lyerly. I love you. Peace. Why are you still here? The show's over.